welcome back, loyal Patreon supporters. Thank you so much for being a Patreon supporter and helping us here at Paleo Media do what we can do and bring you the best of the kind of stuff that we can. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we are going to be talking about the Jurassic Park rides around the globe. Uh, I think, Brady, now we only have experience with one of the Jurassic Park rides, correct? The only one I've ever been on would be the one in Orlando. At Universal Studios Orlando. You know, up front, I think I would tell a lot of people uh, that we did cover some theme park stuff with Ghostbusters Minute previously. We did an episode That's on right. the now long and gone uh, Ghostbusters attraction that was at Universal Studios in the 90s. I, I think Universal is a little bit dated uh, in, in the sense that the animatronics, they look kind of run down. There's a lot of like chipped paint here and there. The layout of the park doesn't really make sense. Whereas, uh, and I'm not saying one is any better than the other, because um, there's a lot of people who do really prefer the entertainment they have at Universal Parks to Disney Parks. The idea behind the layout of a Disney Park is that when you are in a certain land, if you will, like an adventure land or a fantasy land, you are not in anywhere that those lands could exist. You're in Frontierland. And you can't, you literally cannot see anything from the other lands, thus keeping you completely in the theme and in the idea that you're in this place and cut off. Whereas with Universal, you can be in like the Harry Potter area and look over and see the Jurassic Park area or something like that. And it just, it confuses me and the, the theming isn't working. Am I in the movie? Am I in something that's supposed to emulate the movie? It just kind of gets lost and uh, confusing. And, and I just, I don't really enjoy it personally because of that. Yeah, I'm saying all that because if we come off a little hard about some stuff here, I want to be upfront about the fact that I think there's a bias towards the design philosophy of a lot of rides that are in the Disney theme parks as opposed to the Universal theme parks. But the primary focus of what we're going to be talking about now today is the Jurassic Park rides. However, just to let everybody know, you and I are pretty big fanboys of this stuff. So if we take a tangent and just go off for a few minutes about how the Astuter computer is an overlooked fact of FCOT history, like we're just going to do that. So I apologize ahead of time. This is going to be us just gushing about stuff. But we're here today to talk about Jurassic Park, the ride. So, Brady, before we get into a lot of our personal feelings about Jurassic Park, the ride, uh, how many times do you think you've ridden the one over in Orlando? To be honest with you, I've only been to Universal Studios three times, and okay. I've probably only ridden that ride twice, I think yeah, twice. That, that, that sounds and, right, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it was, I, you know, the first time was long after it had opened. I'd say probably right. by a good 10 years. And that, that is a lot of time for animatronics to start to show wear and tear and for things to start to look a little bit uh, vintage. Mm -hmm. and, and I don't think any part of that ride looks vintage, but, um, but that, is a long, that is a good amount of time for something to start to show wear and tear. So for me to judge it based on those things would be wrong. So I'm really going to try and watch myself when it comes to that. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And we're, you know, going to try to go with it on its own merits, but uh, yeah. it's pretty interesting because they, there's more than one Jurassic Park experience in a theme park around the world. There's, of course, the the one that there is over in uh, that opened originally Universal Studios California is replicated in Islands of Adventure, but they expanded on it because it's an entire island. It's a 21 acre island there in their Islands of Adventure thing. But we'll go ahead and get to that. Let's go ahead and get to the 
really the beginning of this whole thing, which is the kind yeah. of the conception of Jurassic Park the ride. So when they were making the movie in 1993, Steven Spielberg being the kind of guy who was, well, financially invested in Universal Studios, uh, you know, said, hey, this is the kind of thing that's perfect for an amusement park. Let's go ahead and start looking at experiences we could draw from this ride and turn it into an amusement park. So while they were making the movie, they were actually researching the ride. The ride ended up opening on June 21st, 1996, and it was built by a company called Vacoma. They're one of the world's largest roller coaster designers. Brady, if you checked out Vacoma and saw the number of rides they built, it would probably blow your mind. But let me just name a few of them real quick, and you tell me if you've heard of these okay. before. Expedition Everest, uh, huh. Seven Dwarves Mine Train, Kong, what? Flight of the Hippogriff, Battlestar Galactica, no. Cylon vs. Human, uh, Sidewinder, which is in Hershey's uh, Park in Pennsylvania, the Rock and Roller Coaster, uh, and the Barnstormer, just to name a few. And then, of course, the ones close to you and I at home, the actual Zephyr over in uh, Jazzland, which is now closed down and is a set for a lot of horror movies and was actually a set for Jurassic World. Uh, right. Whenever they shot that, uh, they designed a ride over there. So Vacoma is, is a uh, – they come in and they, they're contracted to build these amusement parks, and they have one of their more famous uh, – Coaster designs is actually called the boomerang and if you saw a picture of this you'd be like oh that's what every roller coaster in the world is built after yeah so um well i gotta say uh expedition everest in disney world's animal kingdom is um maybe the best roller coaster i think i've ever been on really in terms of design and theming and everything that it can do and the rock and roller coaster is also amazing uh so in terms of thrill rides yeah 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 and this will be like one of my first side tangents for the night. But you say your favorite roller coaster is Expedition Everest. That's one of my favorite. I think my favorite of all time is probably the Gatekeeper, which is a roller coaster in Cedar Point in Ohio. And it is amazing. It's like the way the track is designed, the, roller the track is in the middle. Uh, and you are hanging off the side. This is a, a design that they've like replicated in a few other roller coasters. But uh, as it's going around, there's nothing below you, nothing above you. The track is like to the left or to the right of you. It's 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 really great. But to get back to that, Vacoma is the company that designed this ride, and of course they've done a lot of other rides. Uh, it's actually the system, the ride system that they have this ride on is called a uh, Shoot the Shoot amusement ride system and it's one of the oldest ride systems in the mm -hmm. world a lot of old victorian rides were built on this where basically it is a boat that has a flat bottom to it that'll be raised up to a high height and then drop down an incline and then skip across the water get everybody inside wet you've probably seen these in a lot of amusement parks i know the six flag chains around the country usually have a shoot the shoot type ride and one of the cool things is there's, there's usually a an area to like an observation deck when the boat comes down the ramp where people can stand by and get completely soaked by uh, the the boat coming down, which is a lot of fun. But uh, it's unlike a log flume. It uh, generally has larger boats and only one single drop. So this one actually runs on a three-chain lift system. So as you're going around the area and seeing the dinosaurs and stuff, and we will get into further detail of what exactly the ride consists of in a minute, there's a three-chain lift system that pulls you up a hill before you make a turn and then you go down 
down, down, and then get completely soaked. So, uh, but yeah, like I said, it's it's an old Victorian era design. You can look up a shoot the shoot and see a lot of people like in old, like really nice clothes riding these rides, like at uh, you know uh, uh, old Victorian amusement parks, which is a lot of fun. But um, yeah, whenever this actually opened, it, it oh, I'm sorry, let me just throw in this one last fact. It's a 51 degree drop, and it, uh, it's 51 degree, 80 foot drop that reaches speeds of 50 miles an hour. So it's a pretty significant drop whenever it does go down. The ride is a total of 5 minutes and 30 seconds long, and it actually get, uh, can eat 3,000 riders per hour in capacity. So it's what they refer to as a people-eater ride, where it's got a, a loading system that is almost constant, not like an omni-mover system, where uh, something like the Haunted Mansion or the Peter Pan's Journey, where the rides, uh, the vehicles are always coming by and somebody can get on and go for the ride. That's an omnimover system. This one is pretty heavy because the load of people that can actually get on one of these boats is significant. But, um, yeah, it's a water-based shoot-to-shoot ride. So, like I was saying, that's pretty cool. So that one originally opened in 1996, and uh, whenever it did open... Uh, Jeff Goldblum, Ariana Richards, Joseph Mazzello, and Steven Spielberg all actually rode the ride at the opening. So, um, yeah, no, you're right. Uh, aside from some of the people who were involved in the movie, we also had some of the some of the biggest stars of the day. I'll go down a list. Uh, that was David Hasselhoff and his entire family. And we also had Sybil Shepard, Val Kilmer, Noah Wiley, and Jonathan Brandis. So uh, uh, pulling out the A list, I know you can see a lot of this on a E Entertainment special that I found on the Jurassic Park Wikia page. Yes, I watched all forty-five minutes of it. Well, and, I, I can I can beat um, you on that because I actually watched that live when it originally aired in nineteen ninety-six. Really, I remember watching it because at the end, Robert Rodriguez, the director of Desperado, was on the ride, and as he got off, someone like downtown Julie Brown or somebody like that was interviewing him, and they asked him what he thought about it, and he's like, "Oh, I wrote it twice, and it's different every time." you write it and he kind of what? He kind of gave this impression to the person who was interviewing him like that it was it was actually like different tracks and stuff like that and she was like wait you're kidding me so every time you get on it's a different experience and he had to back him and be like no no I just mean the timing of things as you're riding the ride is a little bit different what he was trying to say is like yeah, it's not perfectly timed you know so hey, it was, I think yeah. he was trying to give them uh, the benefit of like oh it, it, you can ride it on more than one occasion and you'll get kind of a little bit of a different experience so but anyway yeah there was the e-special uh, okay. on opening day that was that was aired yeah yeah i'm sure i'm sure what he's talking about is the fact that like at certain points a dinosaur might move its head depending on when you are passing it by right uh, or you know when the when the truck fall the jeep falls down over the side um which we'll get back to but uh let's go back to the beginning like you were saying steven spielberg has said that he sort of had the idea for a ride uh before the film before the cameras even started rolling and i gotta say that's actually a really good idea. Um, whenever you go to make a film like Jurassic Park, the first immediate thing that's going to come to mind is franchise. And I don't think that's a bad thing because anybody who's a fan of this movie would want to get more of this movie experience. We want to get more of this movie. And one of the obvious things that they could be getting out of that is a theme park ride. Uh, you also had plans for the animated series and the big you know, uh, toy line, everything like that. So it makes perfect sense that he would think like that. So uh, the head of Universal Studios Hollywood Attraction Development is a guy named Phil Hedeman, I believe is how you pronounce his name. And he said that the idea for a Jurassic Park ride was obviously a no-brainer, and it's something they didn't, they didn't wait any time on. They, they moved forward with it uh, very quickly. The budget for the ride 
is one hundred and ten million dollars. Oh, and the budget wow. for the movie was only yeah, the budget for the movie was only sixty three million. So I don't understand how that's possible. But then again, like we've said in previous minutes of the show, they really made the kind of uh, modest budget of this movie look like so much more. So uh, that's just a credit to the filmmakers. So the premise for the ride is actually pretty interesting. Um, the premise is that Jurassic Park has opened and it's been successful. There hasn't been, you know, any sort of what we saw in the movie. And so as part of the queue, you actually had a video that you could watch of Richard Attenborough making a cameo as uh, John Hammond. It's actually really cool. It's, it's very well done. And he's talking about how one of the attractions they have is a jungle river cruise. Now, if you remember in the scene, uh, in the film, it's, it's a scene that I really enjoy where the, it's the VIP lounge and they have the endorsement team sitting around debating the rights and wrongs of it. You can hear a voiceover of John Hammond in the background talking about our jungle river cruise. And they actually used some of the concept art for the ride as some of the slides that they have playing around the, uh, the characters eating in that, which I thought was very, very, very interesting. Now, <clears throat> whereas I think that that's really cool that they got Richard Attenborough to do this really neat cameo as a, uh, a um, what do you call it, a pre-show video, this is where Universal, I think this is their, their greatest folly. I don't know if I'm supposed to be in the movie or witnessing the movie from outside. And this movie, it kind of screws that up a little bit in the sense that we're told we're in the movie. From the second we get in the queue area, John Hammond comes out and says, you're in Jurassic Park. So suddenly we're in the movie, if this makes any sense. And yet, whenever we're going up the lift later, when everything has gone haywire and you've got the dinosaurs in the facility coming out at you, the soundtrack for the movie starts playing. Now, earlier in the ride, we heard the music from the movie, the movie playing, and it makes sense that it would have been playing there in the sense that it was coming from speakers or something, uh, because we also have a narrator telling us what we're seeing. But whenever the shit hits the fan and our ride vehicle is going up and everything, why would there have been music playing if we are in the reality of the movie? Does that make any sense to you at all? Yeah, it makes perfect sense to me, and it's probably my biggest complaint about Universal Studios is that I've always said that within their attractions, the ride doesn't happen with you. It happens at you, uh, and in Disney attractions, a lot of the time, it's like you're experiencing the ride as it's happening in a very natural sense. Uh, for example, when you walk into Hogsmeade Village in the Wizarding World of Harry Potter, they're blaring the Harry Potter soundtrack at you from the moment you would see Hogsmeade Village in the movie, uh, that same soundtrack at you. And it's not natural enough. When I'm there, I want to hear um, ambient sound. I don't want to hear uh, the soundtrack to the actual movie that I know. I want to hear kind of a sound of like of something that what I would hear if I was actually living in that world. When you're on Pirates of the Caribbean, you don't actually hear the theme to Pirates of the Caribbean until three-quarters of the way through the ride. Before that, you're hearing the sound effects, the Foley audio of everything, the pirate battles, stuff like that. When you're in the cave, you're hearing kind of a suggestion of music almost. It's kind of like really ambient sound to kind of get you into the mood. And when I was re-watching videos on this, it's you're exactly right. When you get in, it's that great John Williams score from Jurassic Park that they have licensed. I understand maybe why they want to use it, but really it just kind of defeats the, the purpose of everything. It it doesn't fit the tone of the rest of the ride, too. It's kind yeah. of like blaring this, uh, you know, like 
<laughs> this is serenading you with all this music, and it's just kind of like I would really rather hear the sound of dinosaurs in the distance, or, bu or crickets, or you know the splashing of water to kind of get me into it. But instead, I've got this thick layer of music over the top of that that's distracting me from everything. So, yeah. Now I would be fine if it's if it's happening at me, and I'd be just as fine as if it's happening as though I am in the scenario. But I need it to be one of those things. I can't have it being both because then it just confuses the hell out of me. I'm sure there are examples of this in, in Disney World. None of them are coming to mind right now. Uh, I know that the Indiana Jones stunt show spectacular is, is a different scenario. That's a case where you're like watching the movie being made. So it makes sense that they have a giant sign outside that says Indiana Jones with a picture of Harrison Ford. That's a little more universal style. And it works because it's one consistent thing. It's one idea. You are watching something. It, maybe it's not the best example. But my point, my original point is, I could be, I would be okay with it if it's just one of those things. But in Universal, there's a couple of moments where they are giving you both things, and it's just kind of confusing. And I know that Universal's motto is, like, you're in the movies. That's kind of the idea is that you're in the movie. Well, then make it to where I am in the movie and not both witnessing it and, and not, you know. I, I want – I expect a lot out of – I expect a lot out of theme park designers who – put so much into this and put so much into the concept and the idea of everything, I want to see them really succeed at that. And I don't want to be confused and let down as someone who really enjoys theme parks and theme park rides. And that's, that's just kind of the, the consistent, you know, the most, that's what's happening to me most of the time when I'm in a universal park, uh, which really sucks because you can tell that they put a lot of, you know, interest in a Jurassic park ride and everything. And it's just, it sucks that they, they didn't quite get it. And that's just my opinion. Yeah, no, it's it's definitely it, there. There are things going on in all of their rides that that you know just kind of like I spoke to a second ago that you wouldn't find in in, in many other amusement parks, and it's just kind of this intensity. I think that they want to be like the more adult or more like you know extreme version of like what other amusement parks are and a lot of times it just comes across as a little bit trying too hard and a little bit cheesy you know and definitely when I rode the Jurassic Park ride the last time uh, when I went through the gates of Jurassic Park I, I was laughing to myself because the whole thing was a little bit ridiculous I mean it's an amusement park I know I'm not actually in Jurassic Park but there are a lot of elements that kind of take me out of the whole thing you know, and just, I have to step back and look, oh, okay, it's a little bit cheesy. So, um, but you know, so the ride in California is pretty much the exact same ride that you get in Orlando. And, you know, here at the end, we're going to kind of go into a little bit more detail of what exactly the ride consists of in a pretty fun way. We'll wait till we do that. But one of the cool things about Islands of Adventure Universal Studios is that it actually has an entire 21 acre island built around the concept of Jurassic Park. So you don't just get the one ride by itself. There's a lot of other experiences to go along with it. Uh, and it's it's actually, they even have the Jurassic Park Visitor Center, which they call the uh, Jurassic Park Discovery Center, which is the same Visitor Center design from the film. And I have to say, you know, with some of the faults that I have in a lot of Universal stuff, when they try to do, like, actual... Uh, motion picture accurate experience to what you're seeing on screen, they pretty much do a fantastic job of nailing that. Uh, so inside the, the center, of course, there's a place to eat uh, because it's an amusement park. You've, you know, you've got to buy a $10 hamburger, you know. Uh, but uh, there's a place to eat, uh, a gift shop where you can buy, like, you know, dinosaur fossils and things like that. But they also have a couple of little educational uh, exhibits that are going on. So you 
you get to see fossilized remains of the you know the Tyrannosaurus Rex skeleton fighting the uh, is it the uh, Brachiosaurus I think that he's fighting there, um, <coughs> uh, which is uh, just yep. like out of the movie. Uh, you can test your dinosaur to see what you would be a ferocious a ferocious predator or a peaceful herbivore. And I'm actually reading this out of the Universal Studios website, so this is their description of what's going on. You can experience how dinosaurs see and hear the world. Now we're gonna stop right there real quick and talk about what they're talking about here for a second. Um, they have like a stegosaurus, right? And you walk up to it, and there's like a, I think like a little area where you can put your head through like a like a night vision monitor looking thing almost. And there's a camera in the eyeballs eye socket of the stegosaurus, and it's like see what a stegosaurus would see. And I don't know if my memory really serves me correct, but it's just basically like what the literal like camera position would be on the stegosaurus, right? All right, so. What you're talking about is, is um, as you explained it, you basically put your face up to this kind of thing and hold on to it. And what you are seeing through is kind of like the Stone Age version of the Oculus Rift. Um, and it's it's got to be disgusting because I don't think they clean this thing between everybody putting their face up to it. And so just imagine the last guy who did that, this fat, sweaty guy who's got a cold. And now you're going to put your like face exactly where his was. I don't know. Eh, I guess it's an interesting idea, but it wasn't really uh, executed all that well. But as far as the Discovery Center building is that is designed almost to a T like the Visitor Center in the film, I really enjoyed that. And I think that I would have really enjoyed the entire Universal Studios Jurassic Park experience as though you are in the movie as the park should have been. Ideally, without the, the dinosaur breakout, all the action, if they had had different things like the river crew, the river cruise... Um, the Discovery Center, different things like that. I would have been uh, pretty cool with that. Now, I know that there's no way they could have made a Jurassic Park theme park um, area without doing something action-related, where dinosaurs are going to break out and be trying to attack you and everything, because that's what people expect. Yeah, it's just a thought I have on it. That's all. Yeah. And I, there, there is some cool stuff like downstairs. They have the you know the the dinosaur eggs where you can see them like hatch and a baby raptor will pop yeah. out and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I am more impressed with their uh, kind of like scene recreation of stuff from the movie. It really does make you feel like you know they their logo is it's the place where you ride the movies. It does feel more impressive when you're walking through that center and you look up and you're like, oh, this is like you know built to scale from what I actually saw in the movie. Same way with you know the three broomsticks uh, from Harry Potter that you can go visit in the the, the Hogsmeade Village. No wait, yeah, I think three broomsticks is in. Oh, anyway, I don't know where it is, but I've been to it. It's great. It looks like the three broomsticks from the movie uh, actually accurate. Right, That's I, really cool. I gotta say, Gary from uh, Harry Potter Minute, don't kill us for that. All right, we we apologize. We're not the Harry Potter enthusiasts that that you guys are. But anyway, keep I, going. I, I can appreciate it. I just I, I don't uh, I don't have it all memorized. So, uh, but yeah, Harry Potter Minute, great podcast. People should go listen to it. Uh, but that is impressive to me. What would not have been impressive to me is one of the rides that was actually – or experiences that was taken out of the Jurassic Park area of Islands of Adventure, and that is the, Tyrani- uh, the Triceratops uh, encounter in, uh, the, in Islands of Adventure. Do you remember this uh, uh, thing, Brady? Uh, no, no, I don't. Go ahead. Oh, wait. So, I kind of know what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, but go into it. Go into it. So basically, you stood in line for a long time in order to meet a, a Triceratops. And what would happen is you'd stand in line for a while, and they'd be like, all right, it's your turn. Come meet a Triceratops. And they'd move you into one of, like, I think three little areas where they had 
basically just an animatronic Triceratops setup. And a person would bring you in and be like, oh, check it out. This is, it, this is a Triceratops. And you're basically standing like two or three feet from an animatronic and it's like moving its head and stuff like that. And then somebody, I think, would bring in a baby Triceratops that they'd hold in your arm and you could maybe like pet that. And uh, then, then it, that was it. You'd leave. And the whole thing was really kind of lame because the animatronics really work when you're just seeing them from a distance for a few seconds. So when you're actually put up next to one for a very short period of time, all the faults and the you know unreal aspect of the whole thing is very is laid bare in front of you. And you see it and you're just kind of like, yeah, that's an animatronic. You guys built one. I mean, that's good job. It looks really cool. But uh, I guess I've gotten my 30 seconds out of it. Can I go now? And they would hold you in there for a few <laughs> minutes. You Anyway... So eventually they took this thing out, and it's funny part is it's still there in the park. They just blocked off your access to it. It's not an attraction you can go to anymore. We've referenced this a few times on the show, but there's a gentleman named Adam the Woo who is famous for uh, kind of going backstage in Disney World and backstage in Universal Studios, and he actually will jump lines and finds ways to break into stuff that is closed now. And I think there's some videos of him going into the old Nickelodeon section of Universal Studios, and he goes backstage into a couple of uh, Disney World attractions and almost gets kicked out. In fact, he was banned, got a lifetime ban that he was able to overturn after a couple of years. <coughs> a few years ago, he actually broke into the Triceratops area and filmed a lot of footage of what it looks like right now. And it's a huge yeah, we, piece we of real estate. This. Don't endorse it at all. You can go watch his channel if you want to, but just to let you know, it is out there. Uh, so that was one of the experiences they had in Jurassic Park. Uh, their Universal Studios is no longer there. One that is there, however, now is what they call Velociraptor Encounter, which is actually pretty cool. It is a uh, a guy who is you're, you're going to get your picture taken next to a Velociraptor, and there's somebody there like the Robert Muldoon, like you know the game board of the area, and there's one of these puppets that people will actually be inside of of a velociraptor. Brady, do you know what I'm talking about? They're kind of like dinosaur suits that people will put on around their shoulders. I think they were using the uh, Dinosaurs Alive like stage show that was going around the country for a while. Have you seen one of these things? Um, I think I have, but uh, go go into this. So it's basically like uh, it's this puppet almost that somebody will wear. So a human is standing in what is the leg area, and their head will go up to maybe where the uh, hindquarters would be on the dinosaur, and then they're operating the puppet, uh, the face of the dinosaur, the tail of the dinosaur with their arms. So they can actually manipulate the mouth and everything. But the cool part is, is it the person's legs are completely hidden in this thing, so it looks like a honest to god like life like dinosaur that's coming down at you. And they have an encounter now where you go to get your picture taken by this thing and it breaks out and the guy in the costume with the big puppet is like running around and like messing with you and trying to bite you and stuff like that. But it's uh, much more visceral than seeing the Triceratops that doesn't move at all. So they replaced that kind of experience with this thing and it's pretty cool. I think they might also have this, the one in California, I'm not 100% sure, but they do have it in Orlando. Uh, And you know, it's funny because they actually, uh, probably about 10 years ago, Disney had something that was very similar. It was uh, something that they had called the Living Character Initiative there in the park, where they had designed a couple of robots that would come out and interact with people that would be, you know, uh, be, have somebody backstage or off to the left, you know, dressed like a like a, a regular pedestrian there in the park who was controlling it with remote controls. And the first one they did was a dinosaur that would actually haul a, um, it was almost like a, a like, like a cart behind it. And it would go through the Dino Land USA area in Animal Kingdom. There's footage of this thing out there. And it was free roaming, so there was 
no wires, nothing hooked up to it. It was very slow moving, but it would come out and move around people and kind of like you get your picture taken with it. And they had some scientists that are there saying like, oh, this is our, our dinosaur that we brought back to life. And he had this cart, which of course had the, all the computer components and the battery and everything. And it would come out for a few minutes and then go backstage. I never saw it live. I think they had a um, Dr. Uh, Honeydew Bunsen and Beaker. Uh, uh, type thing that is in Epcot that is those two Muppets out on this like free roaming uh, gyroscope uh, like little rocket type thing that'll come out and they talk to you and they also made a WALL-E that I saw at the D23 Expo back in 2009 I think and that thing was really cool it was basically like it was WALL-E and would roll up beside you and look at you and talk to you and stuff like that so it's a pretty cool thing but anyway to get back to it this is much more kind of um, down to earth version of all that because it's just a puppet it's just a guy in a big suit and he's able to manipulate the head but you know it's so lifelike that you kind of lose that you know uh, the, uh, the idea that it's just a dude messing with you in there it's really cool but they also i don't know if it's still there but they they at one point did have uh like take your picture with t-rex type thing and they would have one of the tour jeeps uh there and t-rex was sort of sticking his head out of these uh, out of this foliage and you could go and just stand there and they'd take your picture with like a polaroid and there was a picture somewhere of a young me screaming like I'm going to be eaten by this thing, probably about 10 years old. And I am going to, I'm going to find that picture if I can. I'm going to look for it tonight after we're done and I'll see if I can find that damn thing. Yeah, that's that's an, I think they have it replaced now. I think with um, the only difference is now instead of like one of the Jeeps from Jurassic Park, it's one of the uh, Mercedes uh, SUVs from Jurassic Park Two with the uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex. Here you can get your ta- picture taken with. There's, there is one other ride in the Jurassic Park area of Islands of Adventure, and it's called Pteranodon Flyers, and it is uh, well, I really couldn't tell you what it is because it's for children, and I didn't know that. One time I got in line to go on the ride for this thing, and I got up to the point where you would get on the ride, and someone stopped me, and they were like, I'm sorry, you're, you're too tall. You can't ride this. I'm like, wait, you didn't have anything on the, on the sign telling me that it was only for kids. I just stood here, stood here for like 30 minutes to get on the damn thing. And now you're telling me I can't ride it. And it was a re- real big what? bummer. Yeah. But it looks really, um, I don't want to say lame. It's a kid's ride. It's basically like an overhead track roller coaster that goes very slow. So you're a little kid and you're basically like in a basket that's being held onto by a pteranodon that is on a track and it flies around. So it gives you a pretty good view of like waterfalls and rocks and trees and stuff like that and it's a very slow moving kind of like pleasant ride so if you're under 56 inches uh then it's just the perfect kind of thing for you but uh it is uh not something that unfortunately i got to experience and i'm a little bit bummed out about that to be completely honest with you i mean put up some signage before you get on that says you know you're not gonna be able to ride this kyle don't waste your time yeah um do you want to know a name of a couple of the restaurants that are in the, the jurassic park area of islands of adventure yeah, go ahead. There's Pizza Predatoria, the Burger Digs, Thunder Falls Terrace, which I guess serves barbecue ribs, the Watering Hole, which uh, has nachos and beer and hot dogs and stuff like that. Uh, yeah, and that's it. So, uh, yeah, you can eat, uh, I guess, probably what, a Brontosaurus burger out at Thunder Falls or something like that. I don't know. <laughs> Rotisserie chicken, that's what it looks like in barbecued ribs. So, But, yeah, that's, that's pretty much the Islands of Adventure aspect of the Jurassic Park ride. But there are other Jurassic Park rides around the world, and I think you got to take a look at one that was in Japan, right, Brady? Yeah, actually, I took a look at one that is in Japan, and, my God, this thing is awesome. I mean, for everything that we think might be lacking in the American versions – uh, this thing makes up for it totally. It's it's a nighttime ride, if you will. Uh, well, a dark ride, much like Pirates of the Caribbean, where you're kind of floating around, and they even have the night sky, something as subtle as like stars above you and everything. And uh, just the lighting in it is 
really good. Um, the dinosaurs move a little bit better. And it's it just seemed like all around a little bit more perfected version of what they uh, of what they had in America, in the United States. So I really enjoyed checking that one out. Um, the video that I watched actually uh, did not have a T Rex at the end of it. So that's that's uh, the one from Japan. I really I really liked it. What did you get? So I took a look at the Jurassic Park Rapids Adventure, uh, which is at Universal Studios Resorts in Singapore, and it was a pretty interesting twist on the ride system that they have here in the United States. Instead of it being like a flat-bottom um, shoot-style boat thing, it is a kind of what they call like a rapid, like a river rapid type ride. Uh, it is yeah. uh, kind of a circular boat where a bunch of people sit in it together, and the idea is that you know you get splashed in these rides. So people could think of something like. Uh, Kali River Rapids in Animal Kingdom at Disney World. It's the same kind of system. And you got a lot of the same gags that you would find in the Jurassic Park River Adventure ride, uh, but it was done without going up a, a large lift. So, well, actually, there's a little bit of a lift in it because – so so you're, you're going through it. You're spinning around, getting wet, and, like, raptors will jump out at you and stuff like that. And it's got a lot of the same elements, show elements that you would see in the, in the other ride, except at the very end when you go to encounter the Tyrannosaurus Rex, instead of going up to it and it coming out at you and then you having to go down – a large uh, like flume to the bottom, uh, you're actually in an elevator, and they're trying to get you out of the thing because, of course, it being a ri- ri- uh, like a river rapid ride, you'd have to go up an incline or something like that. Well, to avoid that in Singapore, they put you on an elevator, and you're in the dark, and you're, you can hear the Tyrannosaurus Rex going around. And then all of a sudden, you look up, and it's coming through the elevator at you, and there's like strobe lights and stuff like that. And then they open a door, and lo and behold, wow. you're there by a flume. You go down, and you splash in the water and get completely soaking wet. But it looked like a pretty cool twist on the river adventure yeah. version that we have here in the United States. So that is pretty cool. But um, let's talk real quick before we go into a little bit further detail about the uh, the ride and, you know, talk about it in great detail, actually. Uh, let's talk about a couple other uh, dinosaur-related rides. Um, of course, we have the Universe of Energy over at Epcot. It was probably my first exposure to dinosaurs in general, I think. Uh, so this ride is... Uh, it's kind of weird. It's a ride about how we use energy and electricity and stuff like that and get energy. It's like it's like a 45-minute ride. It takes like 100 people at a time. It's a massive ride. <coughs> and it'll show you a, like a, a film at the beginning. I think now it's like Ellen DeGeneres and Bill Nye are in it. Uh, it talks about basically like fossil fuels. Then there's a middle portion of the show where you go through a ride, like a, the show building for the ride, uh, which actually features uh, dinosaur animatronics. So it's really cool. They have like Dimetrodons and uh, Brachiosauruses, and then you get to see like a Tyrannosaurus Rex fighting a Stegosaurus, even though like they never existed in the same time period. And then there's like some sort of I forget the name of the dinosaur, but it's a water dinosaur. It's a, lived in the oceans and had a very long neck. Uh, and in the current version, I think Ellen DeGeneres is fighting it with a plant or something like that. There's a few Tyrannodons. But that was my first experience to dinosaurs in an amusement park ride. Uh, have you ridden that one before? The Universe of Energy? Yes. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I can also remember it being some very early exposure to dinosaurs. Uh, granted, it's you know that earlier interpretation of T-Rex where he's standing more or less upright and whatnot. Like you said, uh, yeah, no, I have, I have. And it's, it's funny how they work that into... The uh, some dino action, if you will, into the message of that ride. 
But yeah, I've ridden it. It's funny because that ride is actually a version of um, a ride that Walt Disney made for the 1964 World's Fair, which was, I think, sponsored by Ford. And the whole idea was about how, like, cars are made and gasoline comes from fossil fuels and stuff like that. And they had some very minor versions of what you saw in that where you're going through and you see some, like, dinosaur – basically it was mannequins at that point. Animatronics didn't exist. It's before Disneyland was even invented. Uh, They took a lot of that stuff and they actually stuck it in the railroad section of Disneyland. So you're going through. Uh, this railroad and when I think when it gets around to the frontier land section it actually goes through a covered area and you get to see some of those dinosaurs that were out of the World's Fair exhibit so it's pretty funny that the, wow. having dinosaurs in amusement park rides actually goes back to you know the very beginning of some of this stuff but uh, there is also Disney does also have their own dinosaur amusement park ride and it is in the Animal Kingdom's Dino Land USA and it is called Dinosaur the Ride believe it or not they got really creative with that name and it's of course uh, <laughs> tied into the uh, dinosaur film that came out in the early 2000s uh, and that one is actually I think an excellent ride um, it's uh, very intense it uses the same ride system that the Indiana Jones uh, uh, Escape from the Forbidden Temple ride over in Disneyland does where basically you're in what's kind of like a jeep or like a car and the chassis of the car is designed that it moves around uh, in the experience. So the car will actually stay flat, but through a hydraulic system, it'll bounce you around. And uh, there's actually some really intense stuff going on in that ride. I think far more intense than you find in the Jurassic Park ride, uh, including one moment, I think, when an uh, Allosaurus, I think, tries to chase the car, and the car is moving, and it actually picks up speed and gains up speed on you. And as an adult male, it absolutely terrifies me every time we go in there. <laughs> I've got um, a couple of uh, pieces of trivia here and kind of interesting uh one of them is that kathleen kennedy said when they were shooting the lost world they were uh coming out of these sound stages this is universal studios hollywood and they uh, are for editing they had been hearing the theme and i guess it was when they were scoring the movie they'd been hearing the music and then when they would come out they would hear the music still playing from the ride like across the way so they couldn't get rid of it uh, in the hollywood version uh whenever the ride is coming to the unload area if you look over on one of the rocks is the barbasol yeah. can. And I think so, there's a Dilophosaurus there too, cool. which sprays you, which is a little bit weird because you just got completely soaked, and then they soak you again with a Dilophosaurus jumping out, spraying water <laughs> at you. I thought that was a little odd, but. Um, Another piece of trivia is I, I'm not sure if we mentioned it earlier. Steven Spielberg actually wrote this. Ride. Yeah, I, 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 so I read that too. Um, yeah, it's that's it's crazy. You know, it's funny. Can we talk about something real quick? Can we talk about Please. another Steven Spielberg ride that is in Universal Studios? Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes, we can, and I, I do. The E.T. ride is – oh, my god. It's like it, – it's, it's, like, it's like eating a whole bunch of peyote. When you get on the ride, they ask you your name, and you, they give you a card. Then you go through this elaborate queue where other E.T. aliens tell you, like, what's going on. Like, you know, oh, we have to find E.T. He's got to help the green planet. And then you hand the card off to the person and they scan it. And you get in the bike from E.T. And from there, it's kind of like what you would expect from the ride. It's like you're trying to help E.T. He's giving you the power to fly on the bike. And the guys who are looking for E.T. are coming at you. And, you know, you're flying over them and you're flying over Los Angeles. And then... You hit some sort of like space warp and you go to E.T.'s Green Planet, which is like um, a fish album cover come to life. Uh, It is the most 
It's it's basically ayahuasca yes, the yeah. ride. That's the best way to put it. It's like there's little baby ETs it's like strange. playing musical instruments out of like the surrounding like I guess whatever plants are alive on the green planet and it's like the most disconnection yeah, like of anything I've ever seen in my life. It's just like I remember looking at you being like, Is this really happening? Like, are you seeing what I'm seeing right now? This is like we're flying around all this like multicolored like plants that are talking to us. There's little baby ETs playing musical instruments of everything. The music was insane. And then you see E.T. at the very end, and whatever name you gave him at the very beginning, he t- he calls you. So he's like, Goodbye, Brady. And it's yeah. just uh it's it's a hell of an experience, but I'm curious how much Steven Spielberg had to put into that one because I think that he really stepped up his game with Jurassic Park, the ride, <laughs> whenever that came along. So, yeah, yeah. He, he wrote that. Well, that's pretty much everything I have to say about Jurassic Park, the ride. You got anything else to say about it? No, that is it for me, too. Yeah, all right, folks. Well, thank you so much. We'll talk to you later.